shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakewood, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, it's time once again to go Inside EMS. I want to thank everybody for joining us. And with me always is that guy, that Ted Nugent of EMS, the guy that, you know what, I, I just need, he's got to send me a picture. He's just got to send me a picture. I can put it up at my desk and see him every day. Just kidding. Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you? I'm good, man. Do you, do you want like a glamour shot or a candid photo or, or you know, something autographs that hugs and kisses a ambulance driver? Something yeah, that'd like that. be awesome, man. That'd be really cool. Maybe we can turn that into a thing. I'll be the president of the Kelly Grayson Fan Club and uh, see if we can make things happen. Well, I, I'm already the president. I'm, it's kind of like the hair club for men. Not only am I the founder of the, hair, the Kelly Grayson Fan Club, I'm a member. Well, that's interesting. Are you are you losing your hair too? How can you be the president no, of your no, own no. fair club? How can you be the president of your own fan club? When you're as narcissistic as I, I am, see. my son, all things are possible. I see, and I think you're absolutely correct. You are absolutely correct. So, you know, Kelly, I think that there's a lot of things to chat about. You know, there's some yeah. you know great news that's come out from uh, NEMT. And uh, I think we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But first, you know, one of the things I think that you and I uh, really have uh, fun with is hearing from our listeners. And, you know, we share those emails when they come around. And, you know, the one that we pulled out this week comes from a guy who's not even in the uh, EMS career field. But he says that, you know, hey, guys, big fan of the show. Um, And then in parentheses, it says, I mean, Chris, not Kelly. I just, uh, I, my email doesn't say that. Oh, it doesn't? No? Okay. But, uh, you know, first off, he wants to thank us, you know, for doing the job that we did. He respects the work that we do, the sacrifices that we made, you know, and the courage that comes along with being an EMS and a paramedic uh, provider. But basically, uh, here's a guy. He's, tw- he's 22. He's from Michigan, lives an hour from Detroit, um, and he's been in the welding field for about two and a half, three years now. And, uh, you know, he doesn't like it. He says it's a drag. And, but, uh, you know, he has some associate's degrees, and he's really thinking about going into uh, the EMS career field, becoming a firefighter paramedic. You know, he's done some ride-alongs. And really he kind of, you know, even there, there's some uh, thought about going into the military and becoming a combat medic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting is here is, is not only, Kelly, are we influencing, I think, our career field, but I think we're having some influences outside our career field as as individuals now or whether they're listening to show or, you know, they're getting involved with listening to the show as they kind of chat with their friends or go into uh, mm-hmm. you know, to do some ride alongs. And, you know, so uh, Matt Burns up there in Michigan is asking us, you know, he wanted to get our opinions and comments, thoughts, uh, criticism. He says anything. I'm open to any and all of the above. Uh, thanks for your time. God bless and stay safe. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I don't really know how I feel about this, of giving this advice. And and let me preface it by saying this, you know, my, you know, my daughter is in college right now. And she said to me, you know, dad, I think I want to go and be a paramedic. And I said, well, tell me why you want to be a paramedic. And well, you do it and you're good at it and, you know, that and so on. And, and I had a little bit of trepidation, Kelly, of uh, talking to her about that because I don't yeah. know. I don't know that I want my daughter to go into EMS. You and, want your kids to have it better than you did. You well, know, be a I, doctor. I, I don't want to paramedics around. <laughs> I don't want to say that I want her to have it better than me. But I think you know when we think about 
females in our career field, I think that there have always been challenges. You know, I think that the, you know, I just did a, a podcast for my um, leadership side where we talked about that oh, some doctors and some fi- professional financial advisors are still not getting paid the money that, you know, their male ca- counterparts are making. You know, uh, yeah. the, the harassment, the sexual harassment that's big and mm-hmm. rampant within our career field. So now we've got, you know, Matt up there in uh, Michigan who's asking us, you know, do we think that this is a good career field to change into? And I got to tell you, though, I mean, I love EMS. I love sitting in that right seat. I love being able to deliver care. But where do we stand now on the side of saying this is the best career field in the world and people need to get into it or or people need to look somewhere else? I mean, I do sit on the side of saying there is no better job in the world. But that's for me. How do I give yeah, advice to yeah. other people? Well, I, I I tell people what I get out of it, and you know, and and part of what I get out of it now at this stage in my career is is get a, a huge charge out of getting emails from guys like Matt asking me what I think, you know, and 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 this this feeling of of being an ambassador for EMS is uh is pretty darn cool, um, you know, I, my advice to Matt would be, um. You're, I think he's from his email. He's he's getting into it for the right reasons. Um, he's uh, young, idealistic, eager. Uh, he's uh, wants to help people. Uh, that's the that's the reason to do it. You know, he wants to make a difference. Uh, he's uh, already making money as a welder. Um, so I'll tell Matt, brother, get ready for your pay cut because. Uh, the welders I know all make uh, substantially more money full-time working than I do as a, as a paramedic. Uh, welder is a skilled trade that has been held in high regard, and, and uh, uh, you know, they, they compensate you accordingly. But, you know, he wants to join the military and become a 68 Whiskey, a combat medic, and, and I will never tell someone who wants to serve our country and to, and to give of themselves that it's a bad idea. Uh, let them figure that out. If it's for them, uh, when they go into basic training, they'll figure that out, uh, one way or the other. But, uh, I'll, I'll never tell someone not to serve. I think you'll like, it. you know, the, the, the motivation is there and, and, and the telling words for me in his email was, I want to make a difference and help people. And, and I can say that I've made a difference and I've helped people. And, and I love doing that every day. You may not be able to save lives every day. Um, so it all depends, Matt, on how you define making a difference. And that's the thing. If, if you define making a difference as the chance to save a life on a regular basis, you will be disappointed in EMS because we don't get to do that that often. On the other hand, if you define making a difference as, as being a steady influence and, and helping uh, people on a regular basis make a bad day better, um, then yes, you can touch a life and you can, you can make a difference in, in another human being's life pretty much every time you get in the rig. Right. So uh, if that's what you want to do, brother, welcome to my career field. I welcome you. Yeah, and here's the thing that I got to think about, and I, I want to ask you a very serious question when, when I'm done giving you my feeling about it, Kelly, mm-hmm. is that, you know, to me, there's no better job in the world than being a paramedic. You know, I, I've enjoyed yeah. I've enjoyed every single year that I've had in this career field, uh, you know, going back to 1985, 
And, you know, I've, I've had some, you know, great experiences. I've had some challenging experiences. You know, I've been, I've been thrown up on, I've been hit, I've been spit at, I've been cursed at, um, but there, and that are, was just this morning. And that was, that's right. That's, that's coming from my family. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, but you, you know, you've been there and you, you understand that those, those things, uh-huh. and I think that I've, I've taken myself to a point of really wanting to learn why and, and wanting to learn about the medicine and understanding the pathophysiology and knowing, you yeah. know, the, you know, how disease, um, how the disease process works. And, you know, so I, I've really taken pride into all those things. And, you know, again, I'll say it. I think EMS is the best job in the world. And now when yeah. someone like Matt sends us his his thoughts to say, this is a great career field, does it make me a hypocrite to say to my daughter, this isn't a career field for you? And, and you know, that that's a very serious question to ask. And, and I'll just put it in your lap for the answer, but I'll also preface it by saying your, your lovely daughter, Katie Beth, now comes to you and, mm-hmm. and she's coming to say, Dad, I've watched you in your career. And you've been a leader in your field, and you're a, a great educator. And you know the sitting in the beanbag naked and eating them Cheetos bothers me a little bit. <laughs> but I want to be a paramedic. I mean, so how do you guide her? What do you tell her? I mean, so uh, you know, am I sitting on the on the fence of being a hypocrite here? Well, no. I would I would encourage Katie Beth to to do whatever uh, makes her happy. And, and that is a scary, scary thing for a parent because, you know, at this stage in her life, whatever makes her happy is the coolest thing that she thinks, uh, she thinks it might make her happy, but, uh, she has no idea of the hardships, financial and otherwise, that she'll face. Um, and, and it's a, you know, it's a moot point for me. Katie Beth doesn't have the physical tools to be a paramedic. She, she can't, you know, lift and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, but she may make a heck of an educator. Uh, at one point, she wanted to be a professional surfer, just like Bethany Hamilton. But um, if it were my daughter, if, if I were speaking to your daughter uh, and, and it was a real possibility that she could go into paramedicine, uh, I would ask myself um, what I want for my profession and what I want for my daughter. And what I want for my profession is talented people with good hearts to practice my profession and, and to do it for the right reasons. And, uh, for my daughter, I would want, uh, to make sure that my daughter got everything that she could out of her profession, uh, and made it better and was fulfilled in doing so. So if you can answer yes to both of those questions, I would, you know, uh, speaking from as one dad to another, I'd say, tell her to go for it. And because God knows we need talented people in EMS who are in it for the right reasons. And I've seen it done the right way and want to emulate that. And um, uh, you know as well as I do that it, what you get out of this profession, what you put into it, uh, it'll knock you down a little bit. And, and you may struggle, and you may struggle to pay the bills down then. But if you've got the talent and the will, you can make a living at it, and, and you can find your life calling. So uh, if you got faith in her to do that, then I'd encourage her to take it. Yeah, I don't have faith in her cleaner room. But, you know, well, well, yeah, but, you know, I know she isn't keeping that ambulance clean because she can't even pick up the stuff on the floor in her room. But, you know, here's the question I think I want to ask the, the, the folks that are out there. And, 
And, and think about the question, you know, the EMS career field now that you represent, do you want your kids to follow you and be in that uh, career field? And I'd be interested to know what everybody's comment is, because I got to tell you, I yeah. did feel a little bit weird about me, you know, giving her mm-hmm. the bads of our career field more than the goods. And I got to tell you, I, I did feel a little bit, uh, um, I guess, hypocritical about it. And, uh, you know, a career field that I love if it's something that I want to, you know, that I say that I love, why don't I want my kids to follow me in it? Um, yeah. And I think I'm going to have a little bit of struggle with that until I can figure out that answer, Kelly. But uh, I'd well, really be interested you know, to know what our, what, our, what our listeners think. And as would I, you know, and I hope that I've kind of given Katie Beth a, uh, a realistic uh, uh, perspective on EMS and how, how it can be tough and how it can be rewarding as well. Uh, she's kind of wanted to be a nurse or a doctor or, or a healthcare person uh, in one form or another since she was a little baby. I remember when she was five years old, she was playing with her Barbies. And, and one Barbie says, oh, I feel so sick. The other Barbie says, I'm a paramedic. I'll help you. And the first Barbie says, I'm too sick to walk. Can you carry me? And the second Barbie says, everybody's got one good walk left in them, Barbie. Get your butt in the truck. Are you serious? That's funny. She did. And I said, okay, now it's the point where uh, I got to be careful what I say in front of my daughter. Yeah, I was going to say, because that sounded a lot like Kelly Grayson more than Katie Beth Grayson. Everybody's got one good walk left in them. Get your butt in the truck. And Except she didn't say butt. She, you know, she used the terminology I would have used. I was like, okay, yeah, I've got my own little pocket recorder now. i got to be very careful what I say. That's right. Well, as long as they use it in the proper context, I think that that's okay. But, that's true. So, Matt, I hope that helps. Uh, certainly share your uh, thoughts with us and uh, listeners out there. I'd love to know what you think about it, and uh, you know, give me uh, give me your thoughts and your comments and concerns, as Kelly says, and and think about it. Would you want your daughter uh, to be an EMS in the fire service uh, if that's where you are? And and uh, this may be a, a you know part in my life where I have to come to grips with uh, how I really feel about things. And to be honest with you, yeah. I don't really know. So uh, I'm going to be interested to hear some comments. But you know, Kelly, let's go ahead and transition. You know, one of the yep. things that you and I spend a lot of time on is discussing uh, mental health in EMS, mental health in the mm-hmm. fire service. And, you know, over the years, uh, there have been a lot of awareness that we've tried to bring to depression, that we've tried to bring to, uh, you know, losing the, the members within our career field to their own hand. And uh, yesterday, there was a document that came out from NEMT. It's the 2016 National Survey on EMS Mental Health Services. And, uh, you know, again, we have to applaud the National Association for once again being the leader in, uh, you know, taking us to, you know, where we need to be and, and how we're going to address that. And, you know, this is a document that was about uh, 16 pages or so. And, you know, and it covers mm-hmm. a lot of things. It, you know, it gives an overview. It talks about EMS mental health services. You know, it talks about the benefits of EAP and what EAP is, general health and wellness, and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, I think first, and, and there's a lot of great people 
who were involved on this committee of making this happen. And we think about yeah. you know people like Sean Britton, who is the director of public health, and you know Terry David, who's the chief of Reno County EMS, and in uh, you know there's Chris Call, who is uh, the co-founder of EMS One. You know Mike Seagal, who is uh, you know uh, um, whose specialty is uh, safety and and uh, making sure that everybody is uh, healthy, and just countless other people yeah. that were involved in this as well. That you know, I, I think again, you know, we have to give kudos to NAMT for for finally putting something in print that says this yeah. may be an issue. These are the challenges. These are the resources, and let's kind of move this forward. So I'd be interested to know what you thought about this document. I well, first of all, I applaud NAMT for putting this out there. And you know, it's it's sixteen pages. It's a short document and an easy read. You know, it encourage everyone to read it. But it's my fervent hope that that. 15 years from now, this is looked at as the EMS mental health white paper. Uh, you know, can, can you envision uh, such a document being released or even attempted uh, five years ago? I, I, I certainly wouldn't have seen it coming, um, and I, I'm glad that it's out there. Uh, you know, the, some of the statistics in there are pretty telling. They, that's a pretty damning figure. That's crazy. The truth, you know, yeah. and... You know, the, the thing about the paper is, is that it, it shows the prevalence of, of mental health issues in EMS, and it also shows how far we still have to go. Uh, they cite a, a study from Fitchin Associates uh, from 2015 that said that 37% of EMS providers have contemplated suicide. That's 10 times the average population. That's crazy. 6.6%, yeah, yeah, 6.6% of EMS providers have actually attempted to end their own lives, whereas in the general population, that number is only 0.5%. So it's clear that in EMS and public safety, we got a problem. We got a major problem. Um, You know, and some of my friends and EMS educators and and people that I respect are kind of poo-pooing the idea that we have a mental health epidemic in in, uh, EMS, and they think that we're we're coddling, uh, coddling people and, and encouraging uh, emotional weakness and stuff. And, and I, I don't agree with their perspective on it. Uh, I, I think this is a problem that's been uh, bubbling beneath the surface for a while and, and only recently have people gotten brave enough to speak out about it. Uh, but, you know, the study also shows how far we have yet to go. Uh, they sent out 40,000 of these surveys and only 2,200 people responded. Now, that, that's, I don't know that it's, it's because uh, the rest of EMS doesn't really care that much about mental health issues or if that's just an EMS thing. Uh, you and I have said in this podcast before, if we, if we ask people to vote on what's the biggest obstacle for EMS, apathy or ignorance, uh, the answers would be split about 50-50 between I don't know and I don't care. So um, the fact that, that only 2,200 people out of 40,000 sent out responded uh, may not necessarily mean anything. But there's, uh, there's still a long ways to go toward employer and agency support for mental health and, and, and that sort of thing. But at least we're getting there. At least we are, we're actually talking about the issue now and raising awareness. And uh, that's something that you, know, you and I have put a lot into. And, and I'm going to continue beating that drum and, and making it okay for people to ask for help. 
Yeah, and I think that one of the things that's really interesting here, and, and you know, when you look at the, there are a lot of the numbers that are in here, this gives people a starting point to say, this is this is where we need to start from. I'll give you an example. 58% of respondents disagree or strongly disagree when asked if they're satisfied with the EMS mental health services provided by their agency. And I think that that yeah. is very telling that, you know, there are changes that have to be made. So me as an EMS leader now, when I look at this, I've got to say, well, if 58% of my workforce thinks that we don't have good EMS mental health services, mm-hmm. I've got to do something to change that. But let me go ahead and ask you this question, Kelly, because this is something that, you know, I think was uh, really telling that one of the things that this document stated was there's a reluctance to use EAP when it's available. Now, I yeah. know that you and I have discussed that maybe talking to our peers or maybe talking to our leaders may bring a little bit of stigma with that. But how about somebody who's trained in the business like EAP? And I can remember that when we were were going through the Ferguson crisis that happened in 2014, every morning we had a briefing with the folks that were coming on to talk to them about, you know, what happened the night before, what could they expect that day. Mm -hmm. But we also had EAP available. And one of the things that I noticed very quickly was nobody was sitting down with those folks to, to, you know, uh, share their feelings or maybe to get those things out. And one of the ways that I, I asked people to, to sit with them was to say, you don't know how your partner's going to react in this situation. Maybe you can ask them how, they, how you can help them. But yeah. pe- people who are trained to do this, like EAP, why are we still failing to get in with these professionals and talk about our challenges? Do you think it's still the stigma? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's still the stigma. You know, and, and I'll remind you of the story uh, from the cop and paramedic in Tennessee who, who, you know, broke down crying, telling me the story about the little girl he, uh, the, the murder victim he tried to save, you know, set him up for EAP and, and do a, a CISD. And his words were, uh, I ain't going to that. I ain't talking in front of those people. I'll work with those people. You know, and there's, there, there's still the worry that you will be looked at as different and weak. Uh, and it's prevalent in, in a lot of MS agencies, but it's getting better. It's getting better. That, that, you know, that one statistic, uh, that really jumped out at me is that, uh, when asked if, uh, if they were comfortable discussing mental health issues with their colleagues, uh, the answer was about, uh, evenly split. It was about 53 to 47%, something like that, pretty much evenly split down the middle. Um, I don't think that number would have been even close evenly split five or ten years ago. Uh, I think it's getting safer to talk about, and it'll get safer to talk about in the future. But the the telling thing about uh, about not seeking assistance, uh, I think you you can find those in the comments. The, some of the people worried about uh, confidentiality. Uh, some people uh, didn't see the point of the EAP because it was capped at five or six visits, and it takes more than that to deal with some of their issues. Um, and, uh, but, uh, one of the most telling things was, is that, that, uh, many of the people felt that there was a disconnect between, uh, the pressures they're facing, uh, and the EAP counselors understanding of them. And that was, that was, you know, a common refrain is, uh, that the, the people, the counselors, they may be trained mental health counselors, but they are not trained or, or they're not familiar with the pressures that we face, uh, in, in EMS and public safety. Uh, and you saw several of those comments in there that I just don't know what I'm going through. I don't think they appreciated, 
uh, how it affects us that much. So I would I would hope that we have uh, you know EAP and mental health counselors uh, eventually who are uh, trained and at least have some experience in EMS. Uh, I think that's one of the great things about the Brattleboro Retreat, which you know has a an inpatient mental health program for soldiers and public safety and EMS, and all the counselors in that program are people who have been there and done it just like we did. So they they understand what's going on uh, and how we we have problems dealing with it. Uh, would that every other EMS agency uh, actually adopt the same thing? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really great question. One of the things that really kind of shocked me was they asked the question: Is mental health a priority for EMS agencies? And these were perceptions of EMS practitioners. And I actually have quotes from people who say there is one comment here that says the agency I work for sees mental health as a weakness. If you ask for help, you become verbally abused by coworkers, supervisors, station managers. I needed help and was told. That's why women don't belong in EMS. They're overly emotional. You know, another comment yeah. was, there is absolutely no concern for mental health or physical health of employees uh-huh. at my agency. And, and only a couple of these responses, one was, my company takes mental health seriously. I am proud of my agency. Yeah. You know, but again, I, I think that one of the, the biggest things that could happen from the system level is, as leaders... We've got to be able to understand it's real. We've got to be able to put programs and processes in place that take these these comments and concerns seriously. And I think that a top-down approach has to start. So, you know, comments by coworkers and supervisors and station managers don't occur and people can get the help that they need when they need it. And I think that they're the biggest to blame at the top of those levels, when we say that there's a stigma in EMS, and I think we've got to do a better job as leaders about that. Yeah, there's, and if only the survey results hadn't been anonymous, because some of those agencies they, that these people talk about, uh, I think, are ripe for a public shaming. Um, uh, I think everyone in EMS deserves to know uh, how their employers think about them. And 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 what the what kind of support they're not going to get once they sign the sign on the dotted line, uh, and hopefully EMTs will uh, will seek employment elsewhere. Uh, and by the same token, the the two or three responses that uh, respondents were really proud of how their agency uh, uh, supports employee mental health uh, are should be held up as models. And and um, because in in my experience. Uh, companies that do the little things well and, and handle those l- things like that well, it's not a little thing, but companies that, that focus on those sorts of things often focus on the, the bigger picture uh, uh, just as, as diligently. So, um, you know, that, that's, to my, to my mind, uh, uh, a mark of an EMS agency you really want to work for. Yeah, I agree. So, all right, everyone, go ahead and check out the 2016 National Survey on EMS Mental Health Services. It's on the EMS One website. Print it, share it, talk about it. Leave, uh, you know, leave these in the restroom where people seem to uh, read, uh, have reading materials. And uh, let's go ahead and talk about this, and let's go ahead and continue this. But Kelly, uh, I think it's time we put the wraps on another show. Yeah, that's what we think. Uh, so we'd like to hear what you think. So email us at the show at ems one dot com. Tell us your concerns, comments, questions, suggestions, especially your views on the uh, NAEMT EMS Mental Health Report. And for myself and co-host Chris Cavallaro, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. 
We'll catch you guys next week.